Hi, good morning. My name is Anne Marie, and you are on the corner of Lunacy and Nutcracker Street. And today is May 18th, 2020. I have a quote of the day from Pope John Paul II. Today's his birthday. He was, of course, one of the popes in the Catholic Church in the 20th century. His birthday was um, today. He was born in 1920, and he passed away on April 2nd, uh, 2005. And his quote is this, Social justice cannot be attained by violence. Violence kills what it intends to create. And that's your quote of the day. Here are your horoscopes for May 18th by Nancy Black for Linda Black. Um, Aries, today's an eight. An intensely creative moment flowers naturally. Romance blossoms through communication. Upgrade your branding and revamp your cards. Try a new style and express yourself. Taurus, today's a seven. You can solve a puzzle. Settle into a quiet spot without distractions. Consider the road ahead and make plans. Envision the perfect scenario and prepare. Gemini, today's an eight. Community efforts grow with organization and communication. Coordinate actions for efficiency. Follow the plan. Provide motivation. Teamwork pays off. Share acknowledgement. Strengthen foundations. Cancer, today is an eight. Accept the new responsibilities. Discipline with planning and preparation. Pay nice dividends. You can get what you need. Be careful and thorough to advance. Leo, today's an eight. You'd rather play than work. Find escapes and explorations. You're learning valuable new tricks. Study and research the background story. Make plans for future adventures. Virgo, today's a nine. Study ways to increase shared resources. Fundraising efforts require planning and coordination. Review budgets and negotiate favorable terms. Manage legal, insurance, and financial affairs. Libra, today's an eight. Collaborate for a common prize. Disciplined efforts can win. Coordinate plans, resources, and roles. Determine who will do what. It could get romantic. Scorpio, today is an eight. Focus on your work. Prioritize health and fitness. So physical action earns satisfying results. Practice for strength and endurance. Nurture yourself with good food, fun, and rest. Sagittarius, today's an eight. Find creative ways to express your heart. Send love letters and home-baked treats. Connect and share a common passion. Spend time with people you adore. Capricorn, today's a seven. Home draws you in like a magnet. Reorganize your spaces to suit current needs. Adapt your environment with your family. Gardening, cooking, and pets delight. Aquarius, today's an eight. Edit and refine your proposal. Present a persuasive case. 
lay meticulous plans and revise to suit, you're making a great impression on someone important. And Pisces, today's a nine, so everything seems possible. Take focused action and get farther than expected. Grab an opportunity and ride it to the new level. Get team support when necessary. And these are your horoscopes for Monday, May 18th. If today is your birthday, May 18th, you're friendly and confident and you have a spiritual side and a strong need for privacy. You are creative, unusual, passionate, and a bit mysterious. You're ultimately very reliable and trustworthy. You possess tremendous business sense and the determination to go after what you want. You are imaginative and know how to use your imagination in the business world. Famous people born today include Perry Como, Tina Fey, Frank Capra, Reggie Jackson, Yun Fat Chow, Violet Bean, Luke Kleintank, Alan Leach, Felicia Pearson. For the year ahead, explore and expand your capacities this year. Apply steady focus and coordination for career blossoming. Summer roadblocks with shared accounts inspire deeper community connection. So expect travel changes. Discover entirely different financial possibilities contributing to the replenishment of shared resources this winter. Adapt, learn, and grow. Happy birthday, Taurus. May 18th, today in rock. 1959, Wilbert Harrison's recording of Lieber and Stoller's Kansas City rose to the top of the Billboard Singles Chart. Cover versions by Hank Ballard and the Midnighters, Rocky Olson, Rocking Ronald and the Rebels, and Little Richard all appeared in March of 1959, but the Harrison version was by far the most popular. 1963, Leslie Gore's It's My Party enters Billboard's Top 40, where it will reach number one. It will also become a top 10 hit in the UK. That same year, the Beatles kicked off their first British tour as a headline act with a concert in Slough, England. And after hitting number 22 the previous year with Twist and Matilda, Jimmy Soul reached number one on the Billboard chart with If You Want to Be Happy a song about the benefits of marrying an ugly woman. In 1968, Reprise Records releases Tiny Tim's rendition of Tiptoe Through the Tulips, a remake of a 1929 hit for Nick Lucas. That same year, it should have been a great time in the life of Archie Bell when his song Tighten Up reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100, but instead, he was resting in a West German hospital after suffering a leg wound he received while serving in Vietnam with the U.S. Army. 1974, Ray Stevens had the whole country saying, Don't look, Ethel! The hook line from his second straight Billboard chart, Topper the Streak. 
It would also lead the hit parade in the UK a month later. In 1975, 44 people were injured for seriously in a riot at a Bay City Rollers concert north of London. The performance was part of a fun day sponsored by the BBC. In that same year, Tammy Wynette, who was married five times, had the number one song on the UK singles chart with Stand By Your Man. The record had topped the US country chart in 1968. In 1978, The Buddy Holly Story, a film starring Gary Bussey, premiered in Holly's hometown of Lubbock, Texas. 1985, the Scottish rock band Simple Minds make their breakthrough in North America when Don't You Forget About Me tops the Billboard Singles Chart. And of course, that song was from the film The Breakfast Club. 1988, just six weeks after being charged with assaulting his wife with intent to murder, James Brown spent the night in jail on charges of drug possession and fleeing from police. In 1989, a judge in Tampa, Florida gave permission to original Birds drummer Michael Clark to continue using the Birds name for another group he had formed. In 1994, Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie Presley were married in a private ceremony at a judge's home in the Dominican Republic. In 2003, the Isley Brothers were at the top of the U.S. album chart with Body Kiss, the first number one of the group in over 30 years. 2004, Clint Warwick, the original bassist for the Moody Blues, died from liver disease at the age of 63. Clint left the band in 1966 after playing on their only number one hit, Go Now. 2005, Gordon Lightfoot made a triumphant return to the stage at Massey Hall in Toronto two years after he nearly died from abdominal aneurysm. Greeted by a standing ovation, he quipped, Sorry I'm late. In 2006, Freddie Garrity, the lead singer of Freddie and the Dreamers, died at the age of 65 after receiving treatment for what were described as circulation problems. That group had placed four songs in the UK Top 10 and four in Billboard's Top 40 in the mid-60s. 2007, lawyers for Michael Jackson dropped an effort to block an auction of the pop star's personal belongings and other Jackson family items after a confidential agreement had been reached with representatives of an auctioneer, the current owner of the materials, and a New Jersey man who claimed a warehouse full of Jackson memorabilia after a failed business venture wound up in bankruptcy court. That same year, four days after suffering a stroke, Bo Diddley walked around the intensive care unit at Creighton University Medical Center and the doctors were encouraged that the singer-songwriter-guitarist would be able to perform again. Unfortunately, the only time he ever sang in public again was an impromptu one-song performance at the unveiling of a plaque devoted to him in early November. He would pass away after suffering heart failure at his home on June 2, 2008. In 2014, Jerry Vale, a crooner who had placed 34 songs in the top 100 of the Billboard Pop and Adult Contemporary Charts, between 1953 and 1971, died of natural causes at the age of 83. Born Gennaro Luis Vitaliano, he is most often remembered for the songs, You Don't Know Me, Have You Looked Into Your Heart, Pretend You Don't See Her, 
which was featured in Martin Scorsese's 1990 film, Goodfellas. And this was your day in rock. What do you call a pig that does karate? A pork chop. So, relating to the current crisis with COVID-19, it is May 18th. We have just about 5 million cases worldwide. We are closing in on 400,000 recorded related deaths worldwide. We have seen quarantines worldwide, and now people are chomping at the bit. They feel that, you know, we've been doing this long enough, six months, we can't do this forever. Mm. We see that we're really not going to get rid of this virus until we have a vaccine. And we haven't really seen what the virus can do because of the restrictions of quarantine. The only country that really saw what the virus could do firsthand, in my opinion, was China. They were like the little petri dish. And after that, as other countries experienced it, they just started taking actions um, in relation to what they knew China had taken action, the actions China had taken. Um, And so people reacted, I think, a little quicker than China did because, of course, China didn't actually know what was happening when it first happened. When the virus came to other countries, we're like, oh, this is, you know, that virus out of China. Move it. So people, you know, reacted a little bit quicker. China, unfortunately, they were into it probably uh, a couple months before they started putting down their restrictions. So anyway, and it's spread um, a lot everywhere in the planet. People are reacting to now the quarantine. And people want it to uh, stop, basically. They're like, eh, it's not that bad. So, um, it's not really known how bad it's going to be. We do know that people have died. An awful lot of people have died. We know it's more contagious uh, than the flu. And we know that it's more lethal than the flu. Um, even though they've issued a lot of mixed data out there to confuse people, uh, it really is more lethal than the flu and more transmissible than the flu. Um, probably, um, as transmissible, maybe as a common cold virus, very, very transmissible and, a lot less uh, known about this virus and how it attacks the body 
and the multiple symptoms that are emerging from it. And it's so unclear what the heck is going on because, you know, every patient, okay, every human being is its own data file. And when something enters a human, be it medication, a virus or whatever, people have their own reaction to substance, virus, etc. So you get multiple reports on a symptom, then you are able to say, okay, this usually happens when you have this, but then you get other people going, well, this happened, this happened, and this happened. Um, And it's hard to separate it all out. Also, there's been treatments that they have been trying on patients. So when you have a patient uh, reporting something on a recovery, you also have to take into account, well, what treatment was used? Could this be a reaction to the treatment that was used? Uh, Not exactly the virus that's caused this. And it's a big muddle and it's happening all at the same time. And let's face it, researchers need time to establish clear evidence and if you have this many people in the game at the same time it's it's confusing and so the science although they're trying like hell it's very confused there could be regional data there could be um ethnical data there could be all kinds of things going on you know uh there was you know, a big thing about the disparity of the communities of color that, you know, they're being affected adversely, um, the poor population. But to be honest with you, um, some of that was education and the behaviors because, uh, again, we had issues with social distancing in these areas too. And, that makes sense. If you're not social distancing, then you're going to have a greater amount of caseload. That's what happens. So if you have resistance to following measures of a quarantine, you're going to have an increased caseload. And that was occurring in some of these poorer areas. Better education was needed and um, they weren't getting it. But I really think that that's pretty evident from the way the virus has behaved in the poor communities. They, you know, just putting it on television and talking on commercials is really not enough. Putting on Facebook is definitely not enough. Not everybody does Facebook. And you can have multiple ads, but not everybody reads. And people don't, you know, do certain things. And there is a whole segment of society that was unable to be reached because why? Well, we closed down the schools pretty quickly. We kind of had to, but a lot of education from parents, uh, for parents is done through the children at schools with, you know, things they send home, letters, and just the children communicating what they've learned. So, okay. So we didn't have the greatest amount of time to get ready for this because it was pretty much ignored. Um, People, there are a few people, I include myself with this, that saw this coming up. Um, 
in January. I, I saw the reports coming in, the films. There were like little clips being circulated on Twitter. And um, I was paying attention to people... Um, doctors, researchers in Australia and things that were coming across. But for some reason, the American media was really not tuned into this. So now, you know, it's a, it's a thing. That's all they're tuned into. But, um, again, they're not always, um, putting out the right messages and they're still causing a lot of diversity between, uh, the political parties with this. Um, I want everybody that hears me to understand something. This is not an American virus. This is a worldwide virus. So in Africa, where they don't really understand the whole problem between the Democrats and the Republicans, they still have a problem with the virus and they need to reduce the spread in their community. Same with India, same with uh, Pakistan. You know, I mean, this is not some kind of conspiracy thing generated by the United States, which I know we have a lot of people here that are very odd about that. But this is a scientific issue from nature and we need to take precautions and we need to shut down the noise of the media. We need to say they don't have evidence of if it's airborne or not. Um, but since it's not clear either way, we got to behave like it could be airborne. We need to take precautions when we're out in public. We should be wearing masks. We should be changing our clothing. We should be taking off off our shoes before we come in. And we need to keep doing that until we get ahead of this thing. And the way to get ahead of this thing is to get a treatment that really works on everybody or a vaccine that works on everybody. And guess what? This is going to take a while. This may take two years. We may be in this for two years between mass producing a vaccine and getting it out to every single person and getting a treatment that you can use on a broad spectrum of ages and people, children and adults, not going to be ahead of this thing yet. So anyway, along these lines, there's a lot of controversy about coming out of quarantine and people are angry at the government. They want the economy started. They're like, this, it's not a big deal. This virus isn't that bad. And the government's kind of saying, well, we, we really just don't think this virus is uh, done with us we need to be cautious. So a question on Quora came up, should governments lift the COVID-19 lockdowns and let citizens make their own decisions on how they want to behave? This was answered by Andrew Wheel. He is a student of politics and occasional activist. So he, he writes an answer to this question and I just like to share it today. Should governments lift the COVID-19 lockdowns and let citizens make their own decisions on how they want to behave? Andrew answers, let's try some reformulations and see if they might help us. Number one, a building is on fire. Should governments cordon off the area 
or let citizens make their own decisions on how they want to behave. Number two, a bridge has collapsed. Should governments place barriers or let citizens make their own decisions on how they want to behave? Three, there's a public facility which is rated for maximum occupancy due to risks in the event of fire or other need for evacuation. Should governments lift those restrictions and let citizens make their own decisions on how they want to behave? Four, a dog has shown aggressiveness and symptoms of rabies. Should governments compel testing and if necessary, put down the dog or let citizens make their own decisions on how they want to behave? Five, we have all sorts of traffic signals and road signs requiring stopping, going, no U-turns, do not enter, yield, etc. Should the governments lift all of those and let citizens make their own decisions on how they want to behave? I think the foregoing may offer a clue as to the advisability of indiscriminately dispensing with governmental regulation of public health and safety issues. So I will leave you with that. Again, I am Anne Marie and we are on the corner of Lunacy and Nutcracker Street on our spaceship Earth, all together, one world, one human world. Take care. I'll see you next week. <laughs>